Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse, episode 143. Jimmy and I here for a big episode, Jim. Big news breaking today. It's been kind of growing through the weekend, even in some ways drowning out the match that happened on Saturday. So Jim, you did the update in the site table recording Monday about 8.30 Eastern time. So just a couple hours ago, you put together the piece on the site. Fill us in on the latest Romelu Lukaku updates because it looks like it's really close to the point that we're recording this. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's pretty good in my book that it blotted out what happened this weekend. And we'll talk about that in later in the podcast. But it appears that Romelu Lukaku is going to be a Roma player. Uh, Filippo Biafora from Il Tempo has announced that it's going to be a 6 million euro loan. Uh, other sources from Britain have alleged that there'll be around a... Uh, 40 million euro option for uh, Roma to buy Lukaku uh, if he becomes, if we decide that he's worth that. Uh, And it appears that tomorrow night at 7.15 local time, uh, he will arrive at uh, Ciampino Airport in Rome. So this one seems done and dusted. And it's a pretty fantastic deal for Roma, all things considered, in the sense that they got Lukaku to go down on his salary quite significantly, uh, which, you know, was basically re- a requirement for him, come, for him to come to Rome, given Roma's financial fair play issues. But still, to get a player of Lukaku's caliber to say, I'm going to play for, you know, about half of what I was making before, that's a pretty big statement uh, of intent from Mourinho, from Thiago Pinto, from the club more broadly. Steve, what were your first thoughts when you saw this developing and getting to the point where now basically every journalist, even to uh, our f- friend Fabrizio Romano doing the here we go, uh, which means it's pretty done and dusted. What, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I guess there was the first rumblings were about a week ago, right? I, I think just, but they were very just general rumblings, you know, it seemed like paper talk, like, oh, he doesn't have a team. Maybe so he's probably linked with Roma for that reason. He's got a, you know, he wants to come back to Serie A things and work out with Inter after, you know, how he played that. Um, Juve, rumors died down. So he's without a club. There's a week to go in the transfer market. Chelsea clearly don't want him. But, you know, at first I was like, there's no way they make this happen because they don't want to loan him out. And Roma is not paying 40 million euros for him, which is what they were looking for, I believe, when they were negotiating with Juve. And then they were trying to use that as a bargaining chip in a Vlaovic deal and all this other stuff that was going on this summer. And then the last couple days, it got real because it was like, I guess we're, it was about Friday. So it was about a week out from the end of the transfer market. And you're like, well, Chelsea might be open to this loan. And that's what a lot of the major players like DiMartio started reporting. I think he was the first one to break it, if I remember correctly, on Friday or so. And I was like, oh, maybe there's a chance. And, you know, he's not my favorite personality based on the way he played out the transfer market this summer because – the whole thing, he was negotiating with Juve behind Inter's back when it looked like a deal with Inter was happening. If I was an Inter fan, I wouldn't be too happy about that, especially because he's got a, a past with Inter and you know declared a love for Inter and all this other stuff. So those things aside, in terms of the player, it excites me because even at 30 years old, you're talking about a guy who has really torn up Serie A in his time in the league. I know last season wasn't as good. He did have some injury concerns, but he still started 19 matches. 
had 10 goals and six assists and 25 total appearances in Serie A 1,660 minutes. Like, tell me after what we went through last year, you wouldn't take a striker getting double-digit goals and oh, without another a doubt. half yeah. dozen assists, right? So you look at that and you're like, his his floor is probably where our striker ceilings were last year. No, no knock on Tammy Abraham Belotti, but they weren't very good last year. And when you talk about a guy who had 14 goals and seven assists in all comps for Inter in, in under 2,000 minutes, that's a solid output. I mean, when you go on FB Reference and they compare players across top five leagues per position and you look at the percentiles he ranks in, he's still in just about the 80th percentile in non-penalty goals um, in terms of his progressive carries, 84th percentile, progressive passes received, 92nd percentile. That one jumps out at me a little bit because the way Roma plays in the counterattack he's exactly what Mourinho needs, right? You get, you got that big striker who would have his back to goal. Uh, if Mancini likes to hoof those long balls sometimes, and some of those other guys, Paredes and, and Cristante, they want to play those long balls over the top to try to spring counterattacks. He's the perfect striker for that. He's a big modern yeah. striker. He can run, he can score. He, he does it all when he's on. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, like, look, there's been plenty of talk already about how this is the third time that uh, Mourinho has been paired with Lukaku, though, granted, his first time with Chelsea wasn't necessarily that for that long. Um, still, it's a really exciting transfer. It's, in my opinion, in terms of when you're signing the player uh, and what he's already shown himself to be, really the only comparison in terms of strikers is when Batistuto was signed um, prior to the 2001 Scudetto. Uh, that is basically the comp because he's Belgium's all-time top goal scorer. This is a guy who has been a star at the top of the European football world for an extended period of time. And, you know, we, we can we can quibble about certain parts of what's happened to his career uh, over the past couple of years, how the, you know, 125 million euro move to, to, uh, back to Chelsea didn't really work out. Uh, but at the same time, let's just be honest and talk about where Roma's standing. Roma has been able to sign in three consecutive summer windows, Mourinho, Paolo Dybala, and Romelu Lukaku. And if you had told someone that in 2019, I think they would have thought you were crazy. Now, granted, yeah. with Mourinho, with all three of them, let's be honest, all three of them were coming in as slightly damaged goods. Um, Mourinho coming off of his very un- his pretty unsuccessful run with Tottenham Hotspur. Paolo Dybala not ever being unsuccessful, but simply having enough injury issues that Juventus, a club where it looked like he would be a career-long talisman, was not interested in renewing his, his, um, his contract. And Lukaku, we all know, uh, had that eventful move to Chelsea that turned into a loan move to Inter Milan after only one season. So it's not exactly, we're not signing Mbappe, but Romo is never going to be signing Mbappe or Holland. And this is just about as good as you can get as a club like Roma, in my opinion, in terms of star power and ability. Uh, Availability is a different question. Um, I'm pretty confident that, you know, he can, even in his so-called like injury ridden seasons, he's been able to make 26 or 25 league appearances. So that's not that bad, all things considered. 
And I'm hopeful that he can, you know, actually stay on the pitch a bit more. But thinking about where this puts Roma, I would say that compared to where Roma was a week ago, even though the first two matches haven't necessarily gone to plan, this kind of move practically demands that Roma push for the Champions League for next season, both in terms of top four and in terms of winning the Europa League. And apparently the Friedkins have made that abundantly clear to everybody involved at the club that the Champions League has to be the goal now. It's Champions League or bust. And I would assume that a lot of things will become a whole lot easier for Roma next season if they are able to make the Champions League. For example, that 37 million euro option for Lukaku, I would imagine that they're able to sign that and bring him to Rome permanently if they make the Champions League next year. In addition, I would say that it's pretty likely that if Roma makes a Champions League, that they would be able to keep Paolo Dybala around and extend Mourinho's contract. So I think that quite simply looking at what Tiago Pinto and the freaking group have done, they've put their chips in the center of the table. They've said with this current core, we need to get the champions league ASAP. And if they can do that with this squad, I think that they've put themselves in as good a chance as possible uh, to put them in the hunt for the top four and for a Europa league win, as opposed to a finals appearance like last season. Uh, Steve, how do you think this changes Roma's trajectory for the season. Do you think that it has to be Champions League or bust now with this Lukaku signing? I, I think it has to be. I think you made a great point. I think in my time as a supporter, which is probably around the mid-2000s that I really got into the club, 06, 07, around there, it was after Batistuta. But in my time as as someone really following the club, I mean, the next closest thing would probably be Luca Toni for that one season when he was kind of at the top of his game and and almost took Roma to that Scudetto along with Totti and De Rossi. Because this is a, this is an impact player, and in the group text that we have with Bren and uh, you know the writers, and every time you know we're linked with someone who's not that good, Bren Bren was getting frustrated, right? And would say like, "What's the point of bringing in Paulo Dybala if you can't bring in the talent around him?" And this is the type of talent that I think qualifies here. I know he's now thirty, but the talent's still there. The productivity when he's on the pitch is still there, and. This is this is a major signing for Roma, even if it is just for the one-year loan deal and, and things don't work out. To me, this is a low-risk, high-reward type signing because at worst, you pay him his salary, you pay Chelsea 6 million euros, which is nothing in today's day and age for the loan, and you cut ties. If everything works out, which, you know, if he's a 10 to 15 goal scorer in the league, which he very well should be if he's healthy, this is Champions League or bust, in my opinion. He is the striker that Roma's been lacking. Um you know, Tammy Abraham really good two years ago. This is another level striker if he's on his game. And, you know, there were some injuries the last couple seasons. His productivity was down a bit. But like we said, even it, with the productivity down last season, he still managed uh, double-digit goals and another half dozen assists in the league. He was still scoring a goal, you know, <clears throat> pretty much every other match in terms of when you break it down per 90 minutes, which is solid, right? Nobody was doing that for Roma last year. Um, Dybala was the guy who had to carry the load. And now Dybala gets, like, a big striker that he can run off of, that he can play balls into. I mean, this this is big. This is really big for Roma. I think it's going to fit what Mourinho wants to do well. I looked up his stats um, under Mourinho. In 76 appearances for Mourinho in his career, he scored 33 goals and had 11 assists. So that's a, that's a pretty darn good output. That's 
a goal, you know, scoring uh, involvement, we'll say, because the assists are included in there too, pretty much every other match. And that's an impressive number. This is a guy who, I'm going to go down the list, from the time he broke through really at West Brom when he was a 19-year-old on loan from Chelsea, 17 goals. We could go back to when he was a teenager at Anderlecht, which is how he ended up at Chelsea. He had 14 goals as a 16-year-old, another 16 as a 17-year-old in the Belgian League. I know it's not a top-five European league, but you're talking about a, a fairly young teenager in terms of professional football terms. And then he scores 17 at West Brom, 15 at Everton, uh, 10 at Everton, 18 at Everton, another 25 at Everton. Uh, United was 16 and then 12. These are just legals. And then he came to Inter in the 1920 season when they really got going. And he scored 23 goals that year. The following season when Inter won the Scudetto, 24 goals, 11 assists. I mean, that's the kind of player you're getting. He might not be at that level still, but I think there's still a 10 to 15 goal score there. And 10 to 15 goals for Roma would be huge, especially because now you also have Andrea Bellotti playing like the old Andrea Bellotti. Now you have two guys who you can rotate and really keep fresh. And if they're both productive, they both score double-digit goals. This is a whole new Roma because we know Roma can defend well. We'll talk about their defense probably when we get to the match a little bit. But they struggled to score goals last season. They were awful at scoring goals and taking chances. Now you have two guys who look like they're primed to take chances. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, I'm not going to count my chickens before they've fully hatched when it comes to uh, Andrea Bellotti uh, becoming a Serie A-level striker again. Uh, It was really encouraging to see him play the way he did in the first match. And he looked pretty decent in the second match. But in terms of what Roma needs going forward, they needed a guy who can just be a guaranteed goal scorer. And I'm incredibly excited to see whether it's a two-striker formation with uh, Lukaku paired with Belotti in front of Dybala or Lukaku alone with a Dybala-Pellegrini kind of attacking midfield, pushing balls up to him. Either way, that's going to be a really exciting attack, a really potent attack, and something that honestly, in terms of combined ability, that we haven't necessarily seen in quite a while uh, in Rome. I would I would go so far as to say that probably Totti's last season, the the Mohamed Salah last season as well, that was probably Roma's peak as an attacking powerhouse uh, in recent memory, and I would say that being able to pair Lukaku with Belotti, Dybala, Lorenzo Pellegrini, uh, Stefan Al-Sharawi. That's the closest that I can compare that to in terms of recent memory. Uh, Looking forward, though, uh, I got to ask, this is a question that I feel like has been circulating around ever since the idea that this was a loan with option kind of came to light, Steve. Do you think that this is a situation where if Roma gets to the Champions League, they're going to exercise that option? Or do you think it might be more for them, it's like you've got a one season mission here, Lukaku. We really want you to get there. We'll help bring your value back up, make it clear that you're not damaged goods. And then you'll be on your merry way. Cause we got to remember he's taken a massive pay cut to be here, but I doubt that he wants that massive pay cut forever. It's a little bit different than it was with Dybala who was, you know, let's just be honest, like being paid Serie A money um, comparatively speaking, like he was making good money and he's still one of the top earners at the club. But compared to what Lukaku was making with Chelsea, that's peanuts. Um, so, so that's my question. Do you think that he's a guy who has the potential to be anything more than a one-year situation in Rome? Or do you think that he's 
going to be in the door. He's going to, best case scenario, score 20 to 30 goals for the club and then be out going to, you know, some other big club. I do think he could be. I don't know if it's one of those things, you know what, if you do your job, you score 20 to 30 goals and you're willing to play for this kind of money, which I, I believe I read that he did the same for Inter last season when he came back to Serie he took a little bit of, of a pay cut. If he's willing to, at this point in his career as a 30 plus year old uh, in the next few seasons and he does his job, I could see Roma doing it. They're not going to pay him what he's making in the Premier League. But from everything I read, he wanted to really come back to Serie A this season. And that's why it went from Inter to Juve and then finally to Roma. And I think if Mourinho comes back, if with I, which I think if Champions League comes and Mourinho's finally starting to get the tools, I think at the point Mourinho's at, in, in his career, he would be more willing to stay at Roma longer term than maybe he would have earlier in his career when he kind of you know won the Champions League with Inter, moved on, right? When that when the treble moved on, won other things at Chelsea, and you know his his last stint at Spurs wasn't as great, but even United he won a couple things. If he's willing to stick around, and then he can get players like Dybala to stick around, and then you know what? If he says you know Lukaku's my guy, I think we can make some noise in the Champions League with him. I think maybe we could push for the Scudetto with him if Roma finishes top four this year. I can see Roma exercising that option because if they do qualify for Champions League, it's going to free up some money. I don't know how much because they do have that FFP agreement. I don't know exactly what the terms are um, because I know that's limited them this season. But, you know, I have to turn it to Tiago Pinto for a second and the Friedkins for that matter because they are the ones writing the checks and they, they were heavily involved in making this deal happen, sharing the Roma's ambitions and everything else from what I've read that made a difference with Lukaku. But Tiago Pinto was getting like crucified on, on Roma Twitter earlier in the season, right? On our message boards on CDT for not being able to sign players. He's kind of changing that narrative now. I mean, he brought in the Awar, who looked really good, right, on the free. We've got Indica kind of waiting in the wings as he learns the system, so so to speak, as Mourinho said. When he's ready, he'll be in, probably inserted into the starting lineup, hopefully soon, um, because we certainly lack something in the defense without um, Ibanez and, and Indica, and we'll talk about that later, too. But then he brought in Sanchez on a, on a club-friendly deal. He brought in Paredes on a club-friendly deal. And now Lukaku. And even, we haven't even talked about Azmoun, who Roma was really high on a couple seasons ago. And now he's here as like a third option. I think Pinto's really turned around what this summer has looked like. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I would say, I know a lot of people were down on the Azmoun signing as it happened. Uh, to the point where people were like, Asmoon who, when it became clear that we were also looking at Lukaku. But I'm excited by that move as well. Uh, I think that he provides something very different in our attacking core compared to what Belotti and uh, Lukaku can provide. And I think that it'll be helpful to not only have just simply new bodies available in the attack, but new bodies who do different things. Uh, it's kind of similar to what we've talked about with the midfield that Mourinho's talked about with the midfield in his pre-match pressers. He said, I need, I don't just need more players. I sometimes need players who have different skill sets uh, mm-hmm. to be able to make sure that the midfield rotation works. Otherwise you sometimes get stuck with a situation where it's like, well, you've got a Cristante Matic pairing, which didn't do that great for much of the season, not through any fault of Cristante or Matic individually, but simply because they play the game in similar enough ways that it was not helpful to have them both on the pitch at the same time. Uh, Given that I'm pretty excited for what I can see from this attack. Uh, I'm also pretty excited in terms of, you know, enabling our playmakers to be able to actually kind of kick into high gear. 
So one of the things that I'm sure we'll discuss in terms of our most recent match against Verona, but it's just true about last season as well, is that Roma had one of the highest expected goal versus real goals gaps uh, of the entire, uh, all out in all of Europe last season. Uh, meaning that based off of the shots that Roma was taking, they should have been scoring far more than what they actually ended up scoring. And we saw that kind of result in zero points against Verona this weekend. But beyond that, you got to think that bringing in a guy like Lukaku will make it so that when chances are provided by our attacking playmakers, that, you know, they're converted more regularly. And I'm pretty optimistic in that regard. I think that, you know, Belotti, let's hope that he can get back to his goal-scoring ways and at least bring in, you know, 10 additional goals. But I do think that this attacking core just got a massive shot of adrenaline by bringing in both Asmoon and Lukaku. Um, it's a question of how long it'll take for them to integrate into the side. But you have to think that both players have been training and practicing for this moment, knowing that they could be kind of thrown into a new chance almost immediately. And I, you'd think that Lukaku in particular just has something to prove and would want to get going it back in Serie A as quickly as possible. Yeah, he's going to want to get in there for sure. I think uh, I read that he could even be included in the squad for the, the match on Friday against Milan. Obviously on the bench, he's not going to start right away. Um, and Belotti's played too well, I think, the first two matches to just instantly pull him. But Mourinho said it, after the international break next weekend, things get busy again. Two matches a week, you have Europa League and Serie A. Mourinho can pick and choose who starts when, right? If if Lukaku kind of needs to find his way into the mix, if you get a, an easy Europa League match early on against not such a big opponent, maybe you throw him in in that match. Or if you know you have a tough Europa League match, maybe it's Belotti who gets that match. And then Lukaku gets one of these lower Serie A teams in his first start or two just to kind of get that rotation going. He went through the same thing last season at Inter. I mean, him and Jacko kind of split the starts. One will play 60 minutes, the other will play 30, vice versa. And I think with the age that these guys are at, it's it's not the same as Jacko because Belotti's probably four or five years younger than Jacko at least. But you keep both these guys fresh. And then as Moon offers another dimension, like you said, I think there's matches when maybe Dybala gets rested and as Moon plays as a second striker. I think he can play off these guys. I think that's why he was originally being looked at in the first place uh, to play off Jekko. And that's when Shimordov came in, instead to play that role um, before Tammy came and before Jekko decided to pack his bags and leave. So I, I think Mourinho is going to have a lot more fun this season filling out the lineup card because he's going to have options. And if for some reason somebody gets injured, now there's real depth on the squad, both in the midfield, in the attack, center back. Some people would argue we need another one. They, they have been linked with Malanga Saar recently, uh, as of today, maybe to f- find a fifth center back, which would indicate to me that they're going to stick with a three-man back line if that move does happen. Um, they were supposed to be maybe discussing that as well with Chelsea, um, which we'll see if anything breaks. But I think Lukaku's going to get right back into it. I think this also pushes Belotti to stay on the top of his game because now Belotti knows he's no guaranteed starter like he was the first two matches. If he hits a lull in form and Lukaku gets hot, Lukaku's the starter, right? If, if Lukaku's struggling a little bit and Belotti's playing well, Belotti's going to start. I think, I think Mourinho's going to ride, be able to ride the hot hand here and also give guys the rest they need when it's needed. I think this even frees up Dybala to get more rest here and there. You could play El Shirari off of one of these guys. You could play, like I said, maybe Asmoon off of one of these guys. Solbakken, I mean... 
the attack really has filled out a lot, in my opinion, in terms of options. And this is with Nikola Zalewski playing as a left wing back still, who, who could play like as an attacking mid-second striker type player. Yeah, 100%. I think, I, I'm just going to be honest, I'm not optimistic about seeing Zalewski as more of an attacker anytime soon, just because Oh, of, no, not, not now, right? Because now there's too many, yeah. too many bodies. First of all, that. But second of all, it sounds like Spinazzola might be, you know, at least Manchester United's asking about him. So we'll see what that turns into. But I'm I'm not optimistic. I'm I'm trying. I'm just resigning myself to the fact that he's probably a left wing back slash left winger in perpetuity at this point. Uh, but given that, there's really only so much you can say about a Lukaku type signing in the sense that, you know, he's a star player. He adds a whole lot of depth at the very least to Roma's attack. And it creates five or six more options when it comes to how Roma can play the game. Uh, It's kind of similar to the Dybala signing in all honesty, in the sense that, you know, Dybala fundamentally overhauled how Roma played once he signed last season. And that gives me optimism uh, for the rest of, the matches that we'll be watching over the next couple months. Now, I guess that probably has to bring us to our next topic of discussion, which is the uh, somewhat unfortunate match that we watched this weekend uh, against Hellas Verona. Steve, did you get to watch the match, or how, how did you feel about that one? Yeah, and before we get into the match, just one more thing I want to say in terms of having now Lukaku, Belotti, um, even Asmoon. I think one thing Roma's going to need better from their wingbacks because we were on this this discussion here, and I don't see how they sell Spinazzolo without another left wingback lined up as a replacement. We'll see if anything happens with these Man United links. But, man, the, the crossing has to be better from both wingbacks, right? Oh, from yeah. Both sides. Because if you have a guy like Lukaku who, who can get – who's so big and can attack the ball in the air – and score headers. You need to be able to get the ball on his head. You need to be able to get the ball on Belotti's head. He scored a nice header the other, you know, his second goal in that other match uh, off that Paredes corner. I mean, Pellegrini's great at it with set pieces. So is Dybala. So you don't have to worry about it from set pieces. But in the run of play, the crossing has to be better, in my opinion. You got to you got to be able to put the ball in these guys' heads. I mean, we saw Cristante smash the crossbar with a header from a Pellegrini free kick last match. So they got to get it in the run of play as well, because the, these are assets now that they need to take advantage of. But um, before we move on to the match, we'll take a quick ad break here from our sponsors. And then Jim and I will discuss that match that was on Saturday. All right. So going back to your question, Jim, yes, I watched the match and yes, I was very disappointed. Um, that's <laughs> the easiest way to sum it up. You mentioned earlier in the episode, the XG, right? Roma's XG last year, especially early in the season was always greater than their opponents pretty much every match I think last season for at least the first 10 or so matches in the league um and the thing that's been even more impressive this season I know against smaller opponents they usually did win the possession battle last season it was usually more like the 55 percent range that wasn't like anything dominant Saturday they dominated possession 71 percent possession but they got off on such a poor start with Rui Patricio spilling that ball four minutes in it just completely put yeah. them on the back foot. And I guess the first talking point, since we're, you know, we can kind of go chronologically, at least in, in terms of the goal scoring, I know there's a lot of talk on the, the, the boards and everything else about Patricio right now. Roma never seemed to entertain goalkeeper this summer, probably because there's so many other positions, but Patricio is starting to look a little bit, and it started a little bit last year too. He was solid his first season. Last year, there was some aggression, I think, from age. And this year, it looks like 
it could be even worse. So how concerned are you about Patricio if we don't bring in another keeper and maybe Miles Vidal is not up to par? I'm pretty nervous, I'll be honest with you. Uh, the problem with goalkeepers is that they're good until they're not. Uh, compared to other players, I feel like there's a, usually a quicker decline for a goalie versus others, which is why, you know, sometimes you just see a random 20-year-old pop up out of the blue. It's usually because a goalkeeper in their 30s just fell off and the club had to do something about it. So if there was a golden opportunity for Mila Svilar, it'd be right now. Let's just be honest. Like, you have to think that after the performances that Patricio had for the first two weeks, that within the next couple of weeks, Svilar will be getting a chance. Uh, so that's the first thing I'd say. The second... I don't know, man. I, I, if I'm looking at some of the options that have been floated in kind of the more tenuous areas of the rumor mill, whether that's uh, Loris or De Gea, I don't, I'm not really inspired by either of those either because they're players who would demand huge wages who were starting to fall off for their big clubs already. And so I don't really see the point of swapping out Patricio, who is looking like he's on the wrong side of the battle with Father Time, for two other goalkeepers who seem to be in that same exact position. I did see rumors about next season uh, that Lecce's goalkeeper might be someone that Roma will be taking a look at. Uh, but at, a, at the moment, I don't really know if there is a stopgap that actually makes any sense other than bringing in Sevilar. Like, I, I just don't, I, I don't, as much as, I think it's an area of weakness. I think this is why you bring in a guy like Svilar, right? Like this is a player who was one of the youngest ever goalkeeper starters in a Champions League match ever. Uh, but back when he was in Portugal, he was one of the first, like I believe he played Manchester United in one of his first starts. Like he's only 24. This is a player who you should be hoping has some value to bring. And so like my guess is that he'll get a shot. And if he doesn't get a shot at this point, I feel like it says way more about him and the lack of faith that the club has in him uh, than anything else. Because if there was a moment for a backup goalkeeper to kind of come in and establish himself as a new number one, it'd be, it'd be right now. And of course, you know, there's the third choice 21-year-old Piotr Boer, but, you know, I haven't heard even a peep about him other than the fact that he's always in the squad. So my guess is that if it's either Svilar or bringing in an old guy. And I really hope we don't bring in another old guy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's tough because it doesn't seem like he's got much faith in Zvilar from what we've seen the last, I guess it's, he's been with us two seasons now, right? I think he was also the backup two years ago. Um, if it was just last year, I can't remember. But last year, he barely played, right? He, he played toward the end when uh, I think Patricio was hurt a little bit. He got like one Europa League start or one Conference League start. Um, you know, in the group stages at one point in the last couple of years. So I don't know how much Mourinho trusts him, but I, I think if they don't bring in one of these veteran guys on, you know, a free agent deal for a season, that you got to give Zilar a shot at some point if Patricio continues to perform like this. I mean, like you said, he's he's one of the youngest players when he's at Benfica to play in a Champions League match. Why not give him a look, right? He's only 24. He's got to have something there if you sign in the first place. I know some some keepers are signed in the first place just to be a backup, but usually that's when you have a starter who is more reliable. And Patricio is on the downswing. There's no question about it. 
Um, you mentioned Lloris and De Gea uh, last season. I, I just pulled up a quick, you know, comparison and, and looking at their advanced goalkeeper metrics, which is post shot XG plus minus, like how many goals are you supposed to give up, you know, based on the XG and how many did you actually give up? Rui was uh, minus 0.64. So he gave up six and a half more goals than he was expected to based on XG. Um, Lloris 4.1 in less minutes, but their average per 90 was about the same as just about a, a fifth of a goal per match, 0.17 and 0.18. Uh, below what they should have saved. De Gea was better. He was 0.02, so negative 0.02. So he was pretty much saved what he was supposed to save, where, you know, if Rui saves what he's supposed to save, that's points in the table for Roma. We remember with Robin Olsen, if he had made the saves what he was supposed to make a couple of years ago, Roma was a Champions League club that year. Instead, they finished fifth. So goalkeeper play can cost a club, even with a good club around the, the, the keeper, right? Even with a, a solid defense. So this is something to keep an eye on. I wouldn't mind kicking the tires on like a De Gea for a year, maybe, if the wages are right. I I read that he is holding out on moving to Saudi Arabia until he sees if he can get a European club to snatch him up. He's 32 years old. Maybe he makes sense for a season if if Roma thinks they're ready to make that jump to Champions League. But he's probably also hard to sign if they can't move Patricio before the deadline, which who's going to take Rui Patricio at this point? Because you probably got to clear his wages to bring in like a De Gea. So I think I think we're probably stuck with uh, Patricio and then Zvilar. And if Rui continues like this, gives Zvilar a chance, in my opinion, at some point, whether it be against, you know, Frosinone or somebody that you think he can handle in a, in a debut or um, in a Europa League group stage match against a club from a, a smaller nation, maybe a, a, yes, a less dominant club might be worth a shot. We don't know who's in our group yet, but I think that's something to keep an eye on because if Rui's in a cost goals, that's going to be a problem for us. Yeah, I... I just don't know if there's a real good solution here. It doesn't really seem like there is other than hoping that Patricio either find form again, which I'm not, you know, thinking will happen or just, you know, kind of crossing your fingers on Svilar. I think that might need to be what happens. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, um, Pinto probably goes out and signs Lukaku, maybe even signs Saar as another uh, fifth center back. And then he probably will get flagged for not signing a goalie, but, yeah, that's There's only so much room in the win. budget, right? There's only yeah, so much room in the budget. Win. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I saw a tweet asking if Sar could play goalkeeper when uh, he was linked today because that, that's how people feel about Rui. Um, you know, Roma, like we said, did win the possession battle big time. They did win the XG. In the end, the XG was – I lost the page because I went to the player comparison, but I think it was 1.5 to 0.07. So Roma, you know, took care of that uh, – yeah, 1.5 to 0.07. They can. They had the XG. They had a couple chances in the first half. I remember the Cristante off the crossbar on that on the free um, corner kick from Pellegrini. But it was right before halftime that Roma got hit again. This time by Surreal uh, Ngonye on the break in the 45 plus three minutes of stoppage time. So right before halftime, and Jim, we talked about him last week when Kondreva ran at him and turned him like a top this week didn't get turned as bad, but the little move that Ngonye put on Smalling was enough to shake him and beat Patricio to go up two nothing right before halftime. That's when Roma was really up against it. At that point, you're probably hoping for a two, two draw at best. You're probably like, I don't know if we're gonna get three goals in Verona. We know how things have gone in Verona the past couple seasons, but we talked about him last week. I don't want to harp on him too much because he's been so good for us for the past four years, but how worrisome is it that Smalling two weeks in a row looks like maybe the weakest link on the defense? 
That's a great question. I'm not hitting the panic button just yet with Smalling, but I am worried. Uh, I'm hopeful that this is part of the reason why Roma signed Evan and Dicka uh, this season. I think that in general, a lot of the moves that Roma made this summer were to create more depth options and also to probably, you know, ease out older players from having to be as essential uh, in the starting 11 at match in, match out. Because let's be honest, if we're thinking about who played the most, I believe Smalling and Brian Cristante were two of the highest minute players last season. Yep. So Mourinho, Thiago Pinto, and even Chris Smalling himself have to know that Smalling's not going to be able to be the best defender in Italy night in, night out forever. Uh, I still think he definitely has what it takes to be successful, but I do think that it's important that we get Ndika integrated into the squad sooner rather than later. And I think that that will go a long way to make sure that when Smalling does play, that he's playing at his best as opposed to, you know, just having to play no matter what. And Mourinho basically thinking like, well, I can't really take Smalling out because he's my best defender. Uh, even if he's playing poorly, like I know that I need to have him in there. Uh, I want there to be an option where, you know, Mourinho can say, I'm going to rotate. I'm going to take the out of form player out of the starting lineup for a bit. I'm going to let the older player get its rest. Uh, Smalling for his entire time in Rome hasn't really had that option. So I'm hopeful that giving him that option with the introduction of Ndeka with potentially Sar coming in. I saw rumors before we started recording that uh, Bonucci had been offered to Roma. If someone comes in like that, even Bonucci, who's obviously quite old himself, can just offer a change of pace. And I think to a certain extent, having the rotation option is going to be key more than anything else here. Uh, just making sure that he doesn't have to play every match is going to do a lot to make sure that when he does play, he's 10 times better than he has been in the past two matches. Yeah, I, I think one thing, and there, I think there's a couple reasons for this. I think for one, even though the midfield is more varied and I think more talented at this point, I think they do miss that Matic player who can just break up play in front of the defense and protect players like Smalling a little bit. Um, yeah, I agree. But also, and... I, I follow, I don't know if you follow him too. His name is Enzo and it's Pure Romanista is his handle on, on Twitter. If you don't follow him, he's, he's worth a good follow because he puts out a lot of good threads and stuff. Um, he basically mentioned, and I, I retweeted what he said and it said I agree with it, is that he wants Indica soon too because he thinks they really miss Ibanez's pace. And as steady as Smalling and Mancini were last year, Ibanez was the guy who if the defense got caught out, he had the pace to, to get back a lot of the time and, and, you know, at least slow down the counterattack or, you know, for, for his boneheaded, you know, mistakes at times, his athleticism and ability to push the ball forward and, and get back quickly were certainly an asset. And that's kind of, I think what they've seen in Dika. And I think that is why he was brought in and Ivan became expendable. Um, but I, I do think they miss a little pace. I think the back line's a little slow when it's Lorente, uh, Smalling and Mancini at this point. You know, yeah. Smalling's getting up there in age, and, and he's been turned very easily on him. It's, it's not easy to defend one-on-one in the open field. You know, the, the week before, it wasn't so much the open field. It was more in the box, but Kondreva was coming at pace, and we know Kondreva is very quick, uh, even at 36 years old. But this one, it was in the open field. Yes, he got turned, and it was a problem. So I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on things this week against Milan because they have players like Pulisic and Leal on the wings. Um you know, Giroud's not the fastest who Smalling will probably man-mark a lot of the time in, in the box on plays like that. But uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. And if Sar is brought in, that's kind of a, a low 
risk, high reward type signing in itself too, with the rumor price of six million. Talented guy, twenty four years old, maybe hasn't put it all together yet. Maybe they slowly work him in uh, along with Dick and Mancini, and that eventually becomes your back line in the next year or so. I don't know. Um, not saying Smalls can get benched this season, but it might be time to start phasing in someone else who could handle the middle of a three man back line, if if that's the case, at least a little more often to give Small a little more rest because um, I am a little bit concerned about him. I'm certainly not writing him off at this point in his career just because he's been so good for Roma for four years, but I definitely think there's a little concern there. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that there should be concern, less concern than we have for Patricio. uh, But, you know, I think the concern is kind of the right place to be there. Uh, I'm I'm thinking about other players who particularly disappointed me. I got to say, Lorente did not have a great one against Telos Verona, but at the same time, it's so hard to pinpoint sometimes one defender and just say you had a bad match because unlike the midfield or the attack where it's a lot easier to say, wow, this guy just was not stringing together the passes or this guy was not uh, banging in the goals. With a defender, it's often, it's a team effort. It's really a team effort. And Mm -hmm. so when a player, if, for example, just when the goalkeeper himself, when Patricio is as disappointing as he was, uh, we would probably not be having this conversation about the defense looking so disappointing if Patricio had just gotten some easy saves um, or just played like a good goalkeeper, to be honest with you. And so it's hard for me to say beyond him, like, oh, XYZ player was really disappointing because unpacking which players in the defense are really causing the problems becomes challenging, especially in a situation where, especially with the first match of the season, it was like, well, there were two wonder goals that were scored by Kondreva. Uh, so that's ne- not necessarily like I can blame one particular defender. Yeah. On yeah. So it becomes harder. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that over the course of the next couple matches that things get better. If you read the post-match interviews, from the players, whether that was a defender or Pellegrini himself, everyone basically said that match was a wake-up call and they had to do better. Um, I don't, I, if there's one thing that's been better about Mourinho's Roma, comparatively speaking, it's that Mourinho's Roma has had a better mentality when these things happen. Uh, It's a, they seem to be able to not have a glass jaw anymore, which was a trademark of pretty much every Roma side that I ever watched prior to Mourinho joining the club. So given that, I'm optimistic that as we head down and look at Milan, that we'll be in better position coming out of that match than we feel like we are right now. Whether that's a draw or a win, I'm not 100% sure. But I do think that despite how hot Milan are looking, uh there's reason for optimism heading into this new one. Yeah. And a, a couple other guys too. I thought Belotti had another strong match. Um, he ended up with yeah. the assist on the goal. He sacrificed himself knowing that Montipo was going to come out double fist and come after that ball. And he got his head on it and was able to assist OR who uh, contributed again. I thought OR um, is looking pretty good in his, in his two matches so far. Um, I thought El Shari was a bright spot off the bench in the second half. I thought he, had, he was lively. He had that shot that, most people made a pretty good save on um, when it was still 2-0. Pellegrini, I, I thought he had a pretty solid match. I know he didn't put any shots technically on target. He had that one really nice play where on the ball over the top, he brought it down lovely, turned, took a dribble or two, and then made took a shot that was a couple, like about a foot or so wide 
really nice play on his part, really sharp. I thought um, everything except for the finish. Um, he had seven shot creating actions, really nice there. He came so close with the assist on Cristantes when he headed it off the bar. He also had that free kick that was very reminiscent of the Calgary match two years ago when he when he saved a point for Roma there off the um, I think it was the, it was off the right post. This one it was a little below the uh, corner of the the upper ninety there, and he almost leveled it late with that free kick. He he takes a lot of criticism, but I thought he showed some good stuff for his first match of the season. Um, I don't know how well Cristante and Paredes work together. I know uh, Cristante was a little more involved offensively. He had 10 shot creating actions, which jumped out at me here, but defensively wasn't great in this one. And and he's got to kind of be a little more of an anchor, I think, defensively with that yeah. Matic there. I think him and Paredes get a little redundant because they both like to play those longer balls um, and distribute that way. I think Roma will be better if they have maybe Pellegrini and Alwar playing off one of those players or Sanchez and Pellegrini or, or some combination there, I think maybe suits Roma better where one of them can sit back and, and dink balls over the top um, because Mancini can also do that from defense. And we've seen him play a few really good balls over the, over the top like that. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. I think in the midfields, I, I, I prefer Awar. I, I'd probably say Cristante gets the nod from Mourinho this coming week. And then Pellegrini just based yeah. on, you know, how he feels about these players. But I was actually surprised to see Paredes start because I thought Awar looked really good the first match. Um, and he good looked news good when is, he came in. <laughs> yeah, he looked good again. Uh, yeah. Good news on Zalewski because he went out with what looked like it could have been a concussion about the 50th minute, but they said he's all clear. Also, good news from what I've read, Dybala is physically fine. Test, test came back good yeah. on his um, – I guess he felt a little something. Maybe he was very preemptive and took himself out before anything happened to him. Uh, I think that's that's huge because against Milan, Milan looks really good so far. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else on the match you want to mention, Jim? I hope that we don't see more like these. I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting tired of the – man, the XG looked – so much better than the actual score based on the run of play like, right should be six points yeah. especially the first match this one maybe a little less so maybe not as sharp but yeah and i mean like yeah. i get that i get that people sometimes criticize us for being overly positive uh but at the same time i will admit that there's a there's a part of me that's like okay it's almost more frustrating to me to have the xg indicate that roma's playing well uh but not converting like i think that that's worse uh if if everything was just going poorly i would say okay sell the team for scraps but it's clear that there's quality players on the side it's more just actually getting to the point where that translates to success um and we're closer i feel like we're closer as a club than we have been in quite some time but you know i feel like this entire conversation about the transfer market about this going into the season would be so different if the penalties have gone just a little bit differently for the europa league final yeah, yeah, things would have certainly been a little bit different. Um, who knows how the Mercato would have played out earlier in the summer, right? Because we might have that Champions League money if they yeah. were in it. Because um, now they have a roster that, I'm not going to say it's built for the Champions League, but it's it's more Champions League worthy than it was in terms of... Depth. I'd say it's built yeah. to get to the Champions League. Get I would say Champions in terms League. of both depth and star power now with this yeah. Lukaku signing, that the clear intent is to be top four. Uh, and looking at... Roma's striker retinue, I would say that this is the top four striker retinue now. Uh, I think that the full expectation has to be that Roma gets gets to the Champions League this year. 
I, I, I agree. And looking at the rest of the league, it's very disappointing to come away with a match at home against Salernitana and a match away to Hellas Verona in the first two weeks with only one point. But when you look around the league, there are other teams that look vulnerable, right? It's not just Roma who slipped up the first two weeks. Milan, Napoli, Inter, perfect starts, 6-0. I mean, Milan's got six goals scored, one allowed. Napoli, five scored, one allowed. Inter, four goals scored, none allowed so far. And then Hellas Verona is the only other team with a perfect six points so far. Go figure, right? Yeah. Um, after that, you had Fiorentina blow a 2-0 lead to Lecce yesterday. You had Juve have to come back and get a 1-1 against Bologna yesterday. So they're both on four points. Atalanta, shocking loss to Frozenone on Saturday. Uh, shocking yeah. to me. It's because to me, Frozenone on paper is the weakest team in the league. And, and they, they lost that one. Uh, so they're still only on three. And then you go down the table a little bit. And Roma, in terms of the big teams, Roma's there with one. And guess who has no points so far, Jim? Lazio. Lazio. I take what Roma's done the first two matches, and it's not a lot better than Lazio, yeah. but it's still better because they uh, lost yeah. at home at the Olympico, one nothing to Genoa on Sunday. They didn't even score a goal against a newly yeah. promoted Genoa side that got absolutely throttled by Fiorentina the week before. Yeah. Um, it's nice to be on the side of Rome at the very least. We can say that. I mean, and Lazio, they, their schedule gets no easier because they go to Napoli and to Juve the next two match weeks. So I don't feel sorry for them at all, but man, they could be no points through four matches very easily. Yeah. Very yeah. easily. Could be. Um, but Roma's got one to worry about. We'll talk about it quick just to wrap here. It's Milan on Friday. To me, this is a big, much bigger match for Roma now than it was two weeks ago. Because if Roma had gotten six points in their first two matches, this is their first match against a big opponent at the Olympico, you know, maybe you're happy with a point. Now, it you got you need some kind of result, in my opinion, preferably a win. But Milan, they like need I said, a win. Is, is very hot. They need a win. They need a win. Um, I feel like that. It that's basically, yeah. They, I, I think they quite firmly need a win. Two points out of three matches would be unacceptable. Uh, it, yeah, to start the season. Just, I, I don't care about context beyond that. Like, I think two points out out of nine would be unacceptable uh it, it, would, it would hurt see, a lot in the long yeah. run i think yeah and there's only so much that a romelu lukaku signing can do you need to have a foundation to build off of and i i, I think that a win against milan is what they need i will say that i trust this side to be hungry i trust this side to say we're going to play against a big club and we're going to win uh i yeah I I'm they need a win. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping this gets them up a little bit more. Not that not to say they haven't been up the last two weeks because we they showed the fight against Slarenton, especially came back that kind of that Mourinho trademark like you mentioned earlier. Um, maybe this gets them to another level mentally right before the match um, because they they, they do need going into the season. You would have thought Roma could have gotten six points from the first two matches, and then it's like all right if we draw or if we lose to Milan yet again not the end of the world. Now it's like you lose to Milan. Like you said, two points out of nine is not very good. Um, yeah. Then it's the international break. Mourinho gets to work with a lot of his squad for an extra, you know, amount of time. There is international window. So some guys will go, um, but then it's Empoli at home, Torino away, Genoa away, yeah. Frosinone home, Cagliari away, Monza home before Inter at the end of October. So there's plenty yeah. of time to make up points there. 
if Roma can get it together. We talked about early in the season or early in the summer when the schedules drop that this is a very favorable stretch for Roma to open the season. Very different than like Lazio having to go to Napoli and Juve back-to-back matches. But they've got to take advantage. They've got yeah, to. They really do. They really do. Um, I, I'll be crossing my fingers. I, I think it can happen. I think a win can happen against Milan. Yeah, it, it would certainly change the feeling around the team. I think the Lukaku signing does anyway. I think it's still very early, so I, I remain optimistic. Uh, this adds optimism. But, man, a win against Milan would certainly be welcome. It would certainly even add to that feeling of optimism. I, I can't wait to potentially see him get in in the second half and, and start to integrate himself into the squad. I know some people will criticize Roma for this signing, you know, maybe some bitter intern Juve fans, maybe some other people who are, you know, critics of Lukaku. But I think with the way this team is built, it's a move Roma had to make. And, and I yeah. think it will pay dividends starting soon. I agree. And it shows that Roma's serious and the management is serious. At a bare minimum, it shows that they really mean business about getting the club back to the Champions League. And it'll be exciting. Maybe this will happen by the time that this recording goes public. But uh, it'll be exciting to see the reception that Lukaku gets when he touches down in Rome. Yeah, for sure. And um, I guess just to, to end, we will have our match week coverage coming up earlier this week because it is a Friday match. I, I can't stand these Friday and Monday matches because it's the work day. Um, but we will do our best to watch yeah. all of it, either live or on delay, if we have to watch some of it on delay. Um, I'm also going to have a, a special mini pod with Nima Tavali of Sempre Inter and the Italian Football Podcast to talk about both Asmoon and Lukaku because he is uh, of, of Iranian descent as well as an Inter fan. So we can get a little perspective on those two players and how they'll fit with Mourinho, who he's also very familiar with from his Inter day. So I think that'll be a, a, a good little mini pod coming up. I'm recording with him tomorrow, so we'll probably drop that separately. Um, but we'll have a lot of stuff. Hopefully tomorrow we can drop a piece that's an official Lukaku signing, right? And then uh, we'll keep our eyes on uh, the last three days of Mercato as well as the match day stuff, right? Anything else to add, Jim? No, but I mean, I got to say, man, as much as the past two matches have been disappointing, it's an exciting time to be a Roma fan. I think we said this at the front, but if I had told you that we would have Mourinho, Dybala, Lukaku, Renato Sanchez, and other excellent players – on the squad three years ago. I don't think anyone would have believed me. So the fact that we've got this is pretty exciting and it, it makes me hopeful for the future, regardless of what happens with this season. No question. I think that's a perfect way to end it. So we'll catch you guys next week, hopefully following a win against Milan.